Hey, Sarah and Ashley. Hey, Hey, Jessica. Do you remember what your parents used to say when you started to leave the house wearing something they didn't approve of? This was my mom's more common response. (sighs) All right. (laughs) That was my mom. Well, my mom said, Sarah, your butt has gotten too big for that. (laughs) Well... All right, because today we're talking about modesty, and you're listening to Three Sheltered Girls. Okay, so to start this episode off, um, I wanted to start with a question, and that is, what does modesty mean to you? When you hear the word what do you think of? Modest is hottest. <laughs> I'm serious. So like, like that was that was like the motto, you know, whenever you're younger and in church, there's you know a certain length your clothes have to be, the hallelujah test and all that jazz, like that means no stomach. No too not too much knee, nothing that could be too sexual. Mm. And I love how you just like listed a bunch of like parameters like you raise your hands you can't see stomach like that's very specific I I would would have to agree I think well I think with modesty it's kind of changed in its definition for me because I think there's different kinds of modesty like there's workplace church there's different kinds of like you know kind of like professional modesty or whatever like she's very modest in in how Mm -hmm. she dresses but I think growing up modesty for me was um not over-sexualizing what I was wearing. And it's interesting to me that both of you went straight towards, um, like, dress codes, essentially. Mm -hmm. When I was thinking of this word modesty initially and just taking my notes, of course, I look up the dictionary definition, and the dictionary definition of being modest is basically freedom from vanity, boastfulness, regard for decency of behavior, speech, dress, etc. And also, like, a sense of simplicity and moderation. Um, and we just got distracted by the dog, didn't we? Well, no, she was, she was upset at lack of attention, so... <laughs> yeah, so uh, she... We have a special guest in the room. I don't know that uh, he'll be saying anything, but Esther is very happy to have him here, and he's a good distraction for her. FYI, um, Jeremy, if she ever whines, she just wants you to put the blanket out so she can get on the couch with you. Yeah. <coughs> that's what she wants. That's what she She's going back to ask for it again. She wants the blanket. <laughs> what, is she, what, do you, what do you want me to do? She wants you to see that blanket right there. She wants you to lay it out. <laughs> On the couch, she's a princess. And this now is she's, so fun. Now she's going to get on. Go on. <laughs> That's all she wanted. That's all she wanted. So. so continue. Yeah, so there's this other definition of modesty referring to simplicity or moderation, um, which is much more in keeping with, like, the etymology of the word. If we look back through history, that that's kind of how the sense of this word modesty developed. Um in actually the Latin modestus, the root of it, translates to keeping within measure, and it essentially means acting in accordance with the norms and expectations of one culture. So if we were going to look at that like Latin root word of mm-hmm. modesty, thinking of it as simplicity, moderation, there wouldn't be any problem with me leaving my house wearing short shorts because everybody else is wearing right. short shorts, mm-hmm. and I'm acting in keeps, keeping with the norms of the culture. But what's interesting about this word is as time went on, especially through um, around 1355, we start to see this word in etiquette books, which are, surprise, surprise, mostly directed at women. Mm. And from then on... Yes. Shocking. No. I know, right? We don't need to be controlled. (laughs) Who thought that they could control women? That's a ridiculous... That's so. That's such an odd concept to me. (laughs) And I mean, this makes perfect sense to me because thirteen fifty five people get with the times. (laughs) I know, right? Because I was actually thinking. I asked Jeremy in the car on the way over here. Jeremy's my husband, by the way. um, For those of you who are wondering, Um, I asked him in the car if anyone had ever accused him of being immodest, and he was like. No, I don't think so. And I don't think I can ever remember anyone accusing a man of being immodest, except for maybe jokingly. That's Um, a good point. Like, maybe... I think the only time I've ever heard somebody call out a man for uh, being immodest is if, like, he's super, super 
I think it's obviously coming from a place of insecurity, but if he's super, super attractive, like a ripped body and doesn't have a shirt on, and I, I do hear a lot of people, <laughs> I'm serious, I hear a lot of people heckling him, like, eh, you can put a shirt on, so-and-so, or whatever, you know, I do hear that sometimes, mm-hmm. but I think that's more out of insecurity than actual sexual, or social expectations of... It's still not using the word immodest. Right. That's true, right. that's true. Because if we are talking the word modesty, it is primarily associated with women, is, I think, the point that you were yeah. making. And like I said, even, you know, whenever you see men in short shorts, you know, walking around, I don't think the word that somebody would think is immodest. Right. They might, like, some, you know, again, insecure people would say, oh, that's weird, but they still wouldn't use the word Or more likely, I think they would refer to it as gay or queer or homosexual. But immodest still isn't in that phrase whenever it comes to men, regardless of what they're wearing. So, um, if we think about the word and the concept modesty in religions, usually that conversation is about regulating sexual interest and how um, modesty becomes this way of showing respect to each other and God. But again, most of the language regarding modesty in religious text is also directed to women. Mm-hmm. Um and then I thought, well, let's take a look at what the Bible says about this. So interestingly, there's only two verses in the Bible that directly uh, mention modesty, and they both say almost exactly the same thing, because okay. they're both letters to the churches. In 1 Timothy 2.9, um, and this is the NLT version, which I forget what that stands for. New Living Translation. New Living Translation, thank you. <laughs> Um, it says, and I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothing. Hmm. And this, I mean, reading this verse and then having looked up the history of the word and knowing that around this time, um, the Romans were using modestus, mm-hmm. right, to refer to keeping in like the sense of your culture, keeping within the norms and the expectations of your culture. I think there's a really good chance that what's being said here is not like cover up your clavicle, but that's exactly what I just <laughs> read. Right. Yeah. Unless, unless, and this is probably the case, covering up the clavicle was the norm of the culture, but it's saying yeah. to like dress in keeping with your station, dress in keeping with the norms of your culture. It doesn't say anything as far as boobs or butt. No. It has nothing it to do with, with looks as far as body. It doesn't even mention by by way of fixing their hair. Like it says by fixing their hair wearing gold, with or, gold pearl, or pearls or expensive right? clothing. It doesn't say by covering up skin. Right. It doesn't say by covering up body parts. It just And this not, is like by don't not boast about how much money you have is That's what I read. There. Is, yeah, like don't yeah, don't boast about yourself. Don't don't be vain on what you have. Mm-hmm. You know. That that's how I read it, but I don't know, Sarah, did you yeah. have a different opinion? Because I don't see anything about like specifically I'm not sure. I don't see, and I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate here. Granted, I don't see anything about, like, the amount of skin you should show. But at the same time, like, maybe it was just, like, a given. Like, maybe that just wasn't the problem back then. Like, nobody ever showed skin or whatever. just assumed. And then, but women, like, wore gold or pearls or whatever. And they were just like, that's tacky or something. I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know the context very well for this Mm -hmm. particular verse to say, like, what they mean by it or if that's something... Well, well, and maybe, let me yeah. let me dig a little deeper here because it turns out, and I was really, I actually sent a text message to Sarah joking about this, about how I think I might have been a pastor in a different life because <laughs> my rhetorical training in terms of like looking at like the root like history of these words, its etymology, and then doing kind of like textual comparison yeah. really paid off here, <laughs> and I went down a crazy rabbit hole for this. So let me just tell you what I found. Um, <laughs> So modesty in this passage comes from the we, from the Greek word, I'm probably going to butcher this, idas, which biblical translators tend to translate to with a sense of shame. But shame in this translation is sort of misleading because Aristotle defined this word as the middle ground between vanity and cowardice. Hmm. He essentially describes it as the virtue of acting within an awareness of one's limitations, not shame or embarrassment. Um, And this comes from a fairly well-known classical language scholar named Douglas L. Cairns. Um, 
I think it's likely, as I said earlier, that this verse is more so directing women to wear clothing that is in keeping with their station and the cultural expectations of dress during the time period. But I want to point out that there's no mention here of women dressing modestly to protect men from their own sexual thoughts. That's a good point. Which I personally think is where, uh, well, I know from doing some more research about how this verse is used, is where a lot of people tend to take this verse. I agree with that 100%. I agree too. And the thing is, is that it's kind of making me think you know, who along the lines felt like they needed to be protecting themselves because they were looking at women and feeling like women were being immodest and that mm-hmm. it was women's fault he was looking at them that way because it doesn't seem like it came from this. I mean, that actually goes all the way back to, like, medieval times era mm-hmm. where uh, a man will see a woman be it lust after them and then, therefore, they are a witch and have bewitched him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's actually where the term well, bewitched came from. And there is a series um, with... Uh, David's, I think, like his his sons and daughters. There was um, Tamar, and I don't remember the brother's name, mm-hmm. but Tamar was um, someone's sister was, was raped by her half brother. Yeah, and after he raped her, he looked at her with disgust and kicked her out and mm. got mad at her. So it even does technically go back to biblical times, but in that story, you know, Tamar is completely innocent of what happened. You know, he like it fully puts the blame on the man in that scenario, still mm-hmm. in the Bible. So you know, you even saying going back to medieval times, it you know it seems like it goes back further because the second that he got what he wanted, she was disgusting in his mm-hmm. mind, and he blamed her for what he did. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I forget I'll, his name, but yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. But you're right. There's a lot of examples. It's just people. I say people. All right, let's call it what it is. It's men not taking accountability for their actions. Yeah. That's what that story. What that was. Yeah. I'll never forget. I was in like middle school or high school whenever I read that story about Tamar, and I was upset for her, mm-hmm. and I was mad at him, and I thought that was really, really, really unfair. Yeah. But I never heard anybody talk about it. I never heard anybody tell that story in the Bible. It was something I read on my own, and I felt upset as a woman reading Mm -hmm. that and getting mad at him for his actions. You're so right. I've been in the church for a long time. I've never never heard heard that story. I've always wondered about it. There's a rape story in the Bible and no one ever talks about it. We should be talking about that. Yeah, I mean, it's just... That was always something that really bothered me, and I also never, like, I also realized that no one ever really talked about it because no one wants to talk about uncomfortable subjects. Yeah. You know, like, like... And so that that was something. But even in that case, in the Bible, it shows where a man, you know, sought after a woman, got what he wanted, then mm-hmm. she was disgusting because she caused it, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's, and, yeah. Yeah. And along those lines, because I have some more just, like, quotes yeah. and stuff from different articles, yeah. I, re- I just was reading about this and getting progressively angrier. <laughs> so <laughs> you just made the point, and, and sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll let you finish. Uh, I think you just made the point that it wasn't directly from the Bible that women had to like were having to cover up or change their clothing for sexual reasons right it was just you know you know dress what's appropriate for the time for and the culture, culture you're right. in but people have taken that as you know as people have taken many concepts from the bible to mm-hmm. support their own gains mm-hmm. it was just uh you know let's figure out a way to take this out of context and therefore like it's going to be women's responsibility and i i would imagine that where this starts to happen is in the late medieval people period Mm -hmm. when uh, we see like these etiquette manuals coming from French society Mm -hmm. which are primarily written by men Mm -hmm. about how women should dress and comport themselves in society and I think you know given that etiquette and uh, the church were so closely aligned together Mm -hmm. during that time period Mm -hmm. the two kind of be confused Mm -hmm. in how we interpret the Bible so, um, th- these are some articles that I found from Focus on the Family's website. They're kind of like blog posts. Um, many of the articles, like How Dads Teach Daughters About Modesty, are parenting advice columns directed toward fathers, not mothers. <laughs> I found that interesting. Mm-hmm. In one article, Modesty and Clothing Battles Between Parents and Teens, that's the title, there's a paragraph at the end addressed to single mothers that assumes they'll need extra help and directs them to talk to other moms of teens dealing with similar issues, the pastor, church leader, or professional counselor. Um, And it advises dads to regularly remind their daughters that they are beautiful before going on to say you are 
uh, also in the position to say, you know, I was a teenage boy myself once, Ugh, and I know, I, I know that guys look at girls differently than girls look at guys. I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. You can easily attract a guy's attention by dressing provocatively, but I can assure you that it won't be the kind of attention you want. Hold on, first of no, all, it not is exactly the kind of attention I want. Okay. <laughs> you, that attention, you think you I don't want that. guys that think I'm attractive? Like, but also, <laughs> in keeping, they're saying literally, if you cover head to toe, no guy will think of you sexually, and that is wrong. And that is also that wrong. Is straight up so wrong. not true. That is a hundred percent wrong, as we have seen. You know, like like I think there was like one time, like a. Um, there was an article I read a long time ago about somebody found on either Twitter or Reddit or somewhere about guys speculating what a woman's boob size was just as she was wearing a, a like oh. a pretty baggy shirt. And there was like a contest to see who could be right about her boob size. Like, oh, is she, is she a 38C? And is she a, you know, a 36, you know, B, whatever have you? Or like, you know, a double D? And I was just like, I think that proves the point. It doesn't matter what you wear. Guys are going to think what they're they think. They're going to leave it up to the imagination. Yeah, because then that makes it more exciting for them, too, if they leave it up to their own imagination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, you know, if you're wearing something with cleavage, it's like, okay, well, imagination's gone. It's there. But if they have that, guys still want to have that kind of imagination. But I hate, it. I hate that it puts the responsibility on women yeah. to yeah. be responsible for how men respond to you because we can, like, we, that's just not fair. And another part from the same article, oh. <laughs> Get into it. Like, it says, when a girl goes, you, like, basically, you can point out to your daughter, when a girl goes by in an outfit that's obviously intended to titillate, you can say, do you really want to be that person? Okay. No. So now, we're not only just advising, like, our daughters on how mm-hmm. to dress and, and how men like your father when he was younger would respond to you, we are also objectifying other women and encouraging our daughters to make assumptions about those women's morals based on what they're wearing. Well, and on the adverse, and I'll, I'll let you say your point, on the adverse, you know, our our mothers talking to their young boys about not having six-packs because that would make women attracted <laughs> to them and that would make women think the wrong things about them. It has, there. there's an adverse there if you mm-hmm. want to make it, but... I mean, it's the same kind of idea. It's ridiculous to think that, right? So why would you say the same thing about a, a young girl? Yeah, you're right. Like, the, the double standard there, like, men, are, are men discouraged from ever looking too good? Yeah. And why would they be? I mean, they don't have anything to worry about. And I get that. I totally understand, you know, people, um, like, are worried for their daughters. Mm-hmm. You know, women are, like, are weaker than men. Like, you know, like, you put them... I, I hate saying that, but it's true. Like, you know, physically, like, um, arm contests or whatever, like, women are easily overpowered, mm-hmm. and that's fair. I understand you want to protect your daughters. Um, however, that's not our responsibility to, like, that's, I mean, to some there is some autonomy there, but at the same time, like, you know, just teach your boys not to rape. Talk to them about that story in the Bible. Yeah, like, Thank this you. guy was an ass. Yeah. Don't, don't rape people. Thank you. And it wasn't, it wasn't Tamar's fault, and... Also, I was going to go back to you mentioned that article. There was a there was also a art piece done where they um, they met a bunch of rape survivors or victims. Yes. Who call it? I know exactly what you're talking about. And they showcased uh, what they were wearing, mm-hmm. and it's stuff like sweatshirts, work uniforms. It was an entire art like, exhibit, and honestly, it was it was beautifully horrifying. But yeah, they pinned all of the outfits that the women were wearing, wearing. on the wall. In exactly how they were wearing it, a lot of them were not at all wearing skimpy, so to say, or sexualized. One was like you said, jeans and a t-shirt, yeah. jeans and a hoodie. Yeah, like a hoodie. Mm-hmm. It was like a work uniform, like just like McDonald's or whatever. Like it's it's mm-hmm. like it's rape isn't about the woman what she's wearing. They found that's completely irrelevant. So I understand if you want to protect your daughters, but that's not how you're going to protect your daughters by changing yeah. what they wear. That's that's the wrong path to go down. Well, and this might be slightly off topic, but kind of on. If, if, if like, you know, you said earlier, like, yeah, you want men to, to, to look at you and be attracted to you. But sometimes, you know, if a woman's going to dress confidently in something that's a little bit, you know, I guess if you want to use quote unquote provocative, you know, she's still able to make her own choices on whether or not she wants to be with somebody versus if she's wearing a, a hoodie and jeans. It's still not on the woman yeah. to be 
responsible for what a man does. And even if a woman is like having that intention of she's wearing that and that's her intention and and then she decides in the moment she doesn't want to, she still doesn't have to. Because just because you dress like that doesn't mean that's what you're asking for. That does bring up an interesting point that I wanted to mention where um, I think we demonize women for, you know, wearing these, yeah. let's say sexual, sexually whatever clothes and like is that the kind of person you want to attract or whatever Mm -hmm. well maybe it is for some women like maybe they're trying to attract a certain type of guy like as a somebody who's who enjoys doing sports and whatever i like wearing comfortable sportsy clothes Mm -hmm. hoping i can attract a comfortable sportsy guy Mm -hmm. heck yeah and so are you suggesting that if a woman wears a low-cut top and short shorts maybe she wants to attract a man with a high libido (laughs) yeah maybe and it's possible maybe that's and that's totally on her that's sure that's her decision and even like i said even so if you get in the moment then she's like no i don't want this anymore she still has the time she has the right to do that just because she wore it doesn't mean that's how she you know how she is uh, how you perceive her to be and i'm so glad you said that because i also think it's just terrible to assume that like what like to just narrowly talk about this issue of modesty and what we wear in terms of how men are perceiving it. And I think also a lot of this modesty talk doesn't really give men a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that because like, you know, a lot of, and maybe I'm a little bit biased because of, you know, where like the like the job that I have and the people I surround myself with, but um like, even whenever I go out or whatever, like, and I do wear, like, if I go out to a club or something, I'm, I usually wear something a little bit more provocative, but, like, I don't, I don't have uh, men coming up to me and just being absolutely disgusting, and if I do, it's an anom- anomaly. Like, I really don't think uh, men judge me that much mm-hmm. by what mm-hmm. I wear, especially once they get to know me. Like, I don't think they look at me and be like, she is only her boobs, that's a great uh, summation of that because all of this talk has absolutely nothing to do with personality of the woman that mm-hmm. they're being discussed with, right? So that also does say, you know, with focus on the family, saying like how dads teach their daughters about modesty. It's like, well, does the dad not trust the daughter to make decisions for herself? Mm-hmm. Does the dad really think that she's got the personality where she's just going to go around sleeping with anybody because of what she wears? So do dads not know their daughters well enough to know that that's not who they really are? Just because they, they wear a dress that happens to be shorter I, than they want doesn't mean that that's... I think they don't, because a lot of times yeah. there's just so much, like, hesitancy to talk about sex. Remember? Yeah, like, how like we we've discussed. About that? I think a lot of times, like, my parents had fears about how I was behaving with the boys that I hung out with. But they weren't, they didn't feel comfortable enough to talk to me about those fears Mm -hmm. and then they come out in these kind of like um suggested parenting meetings Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're reading about where they're like oh yeah this is a way for me to talk to my daughter about her sexual behavior um in a way that the church is telling me to do so i feel better doing this Um, let me transition here to sharing some stories. Love I'm it. sure you thought about some personal stories like regarding modesty. So let me ask you this. Um, as much as you're comfortable sharing and whoever wants to start off, Sarah or Ashley, um, tell us a story about modesty from your childhood. Okay. Um, I've, I've got kind of a two-parter here. Go for so it. So I want to give like a little bit of context as to the way that I dressed growing up. <laughs> um, it can be described as one word, lazy. <laughs> I'm not laughing because I'm like, oh, she's already telling my story. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think in... Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so my... Um, I wore whatever appeared in my closet, and sometimes that was my brother's clothes by mistake. Sometimes it was my sister's clothes on purpose. Sometimes it was my cousin's third-year hand-me-downs. I did not care. As long as it didn't have a hole, and sometimes it did have a hole in it, I would wear it. So now you have a little bit of context as to, like, the way that young Sarah and current Sarah used to dress. So I didn't really have a lot of, like, problems, like, being immodest or whatever. Um, At least from my parents' side, kind of going back to the intro where I mentioned that I didn't feel a need to deviate that much. Um... All that to say, 
I did have a scenario once where I went to church and I had this skirt. It was a white skirt. I thought it was just so pretty. I feel like I know where this is going. Mm-hmm. And I loved that skirt. Um, however, as I mentioned at the intro of this podcast, one day my butt got too big. <laughs> you know? Oh, no. <laughs> so I oh, wore... No. Well, I didn't know. I was just going to wear what I've always worn for the last five years or whatever because mm-hmm. I don't understand how to change my wardrobe. So I, I go to church wearing this white skirt, and uh, my mom pulls me aside, and she goes, Sarah, you can't wear that skirt anymore. And I said, why? And she said, Pastor is looking at you. Oh, what? My oh. pastor, the pastor of the church, was checking out my ass. Oh I had to have been like... Ah. I had to have been like yikes, fourteen or fifteen years yikes. old. Yikes! And it was my, but the the she wasn't the the worst part about that story is like that pastor was old, like fifty five, like old to me. Then it's like yeah. fifty five. <laughs> you can't say that <laughs> to right me. It's fifteen year old. I, that was old to me. Like he was old and he passed out of the church, and then also communicated to me that this was my response. This was my fault. Yeah, for for going out wearing a skirt. And the funny thing is, I still own that skirt. Like, and I wore it out to a club, and I didn't think it was too short. I think it looked great. In that scenario, it sounds like your mom was trying to protect, protect me. you. I know that's where it came from. And I definitely am not trying to demonize what she said or the response to it. But the point, like that, was like was she one of my. Reader, I don't know. Um, that it was like a quick, it was a quick confrontation telling me I shouldn't yeah. wear that skirt anymore, and uh, um, and I didn't okay. uh, until you know I got into my twenties, and then I was like, well, if it was too sexy for church, it's perfect for a bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I love that you kept the skirt. I did. Yeah, I, I did. I did keep the skirt. So um, that was, but either way, like that was my first. Uh, Notion of... Notion of, of modesty. And again, whenever my mom told me I need to wear a bra because boys were, like, looking at my chest. Mm. Okay. That's where my story starts. Ooh, go. No, I, are you done? That was it. Okay. Mine was so much further back. And I remember this, and I remember feeling embarrassed. And I think also intention, I think, was, was kind, but I think that I... Okay, so I'll just say it. I was in fourth grade... And my fourth grade teacher went to my mother and said, she thinks I need to be wearing a bra. And that, my mom told me, she was like, I'm not going to say my, my teacher's name. I don't want to <laughs> throw any dirt on her. But let's just call her Miss um, Smith. And uh, you were at a Christian school at I was point, also, right? yeah, let's, um, f- this is a recap from previous episodes. I grew up in a Christian, in a Assemblies of God church in a Baptist school. So pretty, pretty strict on the attire, but growing up I had to wear, we had to wear like khakis and, and skirts and like polo shirts and button down polos. Like everything had to have a collar and everything had to be like basic stuff. So a lot of times I would wear, I'm guessing this is kind of where it might've started, but you know, like the white button down shirt or the white polo shirt, things like that. My assumption is that my, my teacher, she saw me and it's also a woman that said this, right? So she saw me. And was like, oh, I think I should probably address this before the boys start doing something or start making comments. And so, yeah, she went to my to my mom and my mom told me how to start wearing a bra and I hated it I, in fourth grade. And if you see me now, I don't know where it where it started, but it didn't go very far <laughs> because I don't have a whole lot to, to, to worry about in this in this section of my body. But. I guess at that point she felt like I should, and I remember feeling really guilty about it. I remember feeling embarrassed, mm. like, oh my gosh, what did she see? What are other people seeing? And I started getting worried that other people were seeing something I wasn't because I wasn't looking at me like they were, and I got embarrassed for myself. And my mom was just like, you know, maybe you should start wearing a bra. And I think, I think my mom started doing it to appease my teacher, but my mom never had that conversation with me. She kind of explained what a bra does, but she never really expressed why I needed it from her perspective. She just told me that my teacher said I needed it. But in high school, I did not wear a lot of suggestive clothing. I wore a ton of baggy t-shirts, like just regular t-shirts. And then I would wear terrible Sun jeans that were too long, <laughs> really faded, did not flatter my lower like athletic 
half. And then at the very bottom of my jeans, because they were longer, because I'm only five feet tall, they would be dragging and I would have scuffs. And then the, the, um, the cuff on the end of my jeans would be tearing off. And that was a nervous tick I had where I would pull mm. on the cuff of I my used to do that of my Cause that's how long they were. And I would just, I would wear those and tennis shoes and just baggy t-shirts. And Oddly enough, my mom was like, I really hope that you dress a little bit more like a lady. She did not like that I was wearing baggy clothes because she, my mom actually thought, she's like, you're cute, dress cute. So I think my mom, seeing that I was being modest, but in her mind, I think she was like, you can also, you can do a little more. You can wear a little bit more. <laughs> so it's it's really interesting. My mom never really, like, she had the, the like, you know, little side comments, but it didn't happen often. And she would, like, you know, make some kind of, occasional judgmental comments but even then like she never stopped me from leaving the house mm-hmm. she never really stopped me from going out I think there are a couple of times where she thought my shorts were too short um but that's about mm-hmm. it like she was like just pull them down just pull them down because mm-hmm. I can see like you know the lower part of your butt she's like I can see that did you have the of, like the finger roll that if you put your hands at church like, and at your school, side yeah. they had to be at church and at school yeah and you know like, I got very lucky because my arms are not long yeah <laughs> And kind of like as a as a quick regression back, like that was one of the that was a, something that I used to measure myself yeah. to see mm-hmm. if it was quote unquote modest. Yeah, and that white skirt, that white skirt, I'm still very upset about it. It came to the bottom of your yeah, fingers. it came past. Like it was like oh, it was above my knee, but it was mm-hmm. uh, it was well past my fingers. See, the knee is also a problem because it's like, are you really talking about fingertips or are you talking about knees? Can we talk about the hypocrisy of girls having to wear a t-shirt over their toothpiece, but men, we the boys didn't have to. Just discuss this. At, I'm not Wait, even kidding you guys. Wait, what's that toothpaste? Two-piece bathing suit. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I just discussed this with my coworkers because another another uh, girl that I'm friends with at work, she was like, "Yeah, I grew up in the church." She, we both talked about how annoying it was to have to wear a cotton t-shirt while swimming. You couldn't dry off. It was uncomfortable. You have that whole like suction cup type yeah. thing whenever you're trying to mm-hmm. get it off your body. It is awful, and I hated it. And I just had this conversation with Brian too. I was like, I don't know, understand why they wouldn't just tell us to wear a one piece. Like, just wear a one-piece. I mean, they said they could do either or. No, we couldn't do either. They couldn't do a one-piece? No. If you wore a one-piece or a bikini, you had to have a t-shirt over it. What? Not even kidding. Wow. You know, the, the Christian saving grace? Hmm. The tankini. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> that, did, that did fly, like, at, at church, but at the school, like, for activities, like, if we did... Like, any, any kind of, like, swimming activities, whatever, even if it was a one-piece, yeah. you had to wear a shirt over it. Well, you both told your stories. I'll tell mine. As you can imagine. Sorry, we got caught up. (laughs) As you can imagine, there were a lot of conversations in my house about modesty. Oh, my gosh. Particularly directed towards me, because I think my sister, like the both of you, was very conscious about modesty. And so every time she bought anything, she was going through, like, this checklist of rules. Like, is it wide enough? Really? Can I put my hands up? (laughs) She, Yeah, my sister, like, very, also very concerned about male attention, thought sex was the most terrible thing she had ever heard of. Oh my god. Um but yeah, she uh and we I was telling her about this when I was just seeing her on Florida and we had a good laugh about it. Like her response to like the sex talk is just hysterical. <laughs> um so anyway, she was very modest and I was five years younger and so my parents were constantly, I'm pretty sure constantly comparing my wardrobe choices to hers. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, just made it even more obvious when my shorts were just a little too too short or the strap on my shirt was just a little too thin. So, I mean, I got sick of hearing about it pretty quickly. And And I was like, the more you talk about it, like, the less you make me want to actually do what you're telling me to do. And you're a little bit taller, so, like, the fingertip length thing for you probably was a rough go. It was tough. And I have long arms, too, Mm -hmm. which makes it even harder. I'd be, like, raising my shoulders. (laughs) But then they would make you drop them, right? Because that's what we had. They're like, nope, drop your shoulders. And it's like, oh, they're like, oh, Oh, I know. It's like, oh, you figured out my trick. Yeah. Look at this giraffe neck on my sides. And I'm trying to, you know, adjust my shoulders. And they're like, nope, drop your shoulders. Yeah. It, It was constant through my childhood. And just to show how constant and how, like, far back it went, I told Sarah this story before, but I'll tell you now, Ashley, and everyone else listening. Um, When I was about eight or nine, I remember I was at my grandparents' house around Christmas, and we had just finished watching a movie or a TV show or something where um, the girl on it was wearing this, like, really 
I thought she looked good. She was wearing like this off the shoulder, cute shirt, and I just thought it looked really pretty. And I was wearing a really big t-shirt. I think it was one of my dad's t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, so I'm relatively small. So I pulled the t-shirt down around my shoulders as I was sitting and talking to my grandfather. Well, it was, I mean, it was immediate. It was like two minutes after I had done this, my mom pulled me out of the room after like a furious conversation with my father that I couldn't hear, but I imagined it was something else. And she said, what are, no, no, no. Before that, my dad was in the room with me. He like looked over me. He said, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, what are you doing with your shirt? And I pulled it up real quick. And I was like, cause I knew I had done something wrong. It was right. like, it just fell, I was like, it just fell down around my shoulders. And he was like, no, it didn't. And then he left the room and he talked to my mom and my mom pulled me out of the room. And she was like, she was like, we need to talk about the way that you dress. Oh my goodness. Because the way, Whoa. and I don't remember exactly what she said, but she essentially told me that the way that I dressed affect the men around me. And that, I didn't want my grandfather to have what like unpure thoughts what about oh, me no. as a little kid. No, and when I dressed that way, that's what I was essentially no. doing. I am uncomfortable hearing yeah. that story. So oh my gosh. I mean, I never had that kind of conversation with my parents. It's that's like insane. it's stuck with me. Like it's really stuck with me. And I think I mean I was telling my husband this about it before, and I'm gonna ask you in a moment here, mm-hmm. like about how um like the different messages about modesty and how your parents like expectations about your dress influence your personal style today and how you feel about your personal style. But for me, um it is really hard for me to wear short skirts or low-cut shirts or even, you know, like a, if a Christmas dress, if I'm worried that if I lean forward, you might see too much cleavage. Like, there's a constant running narrative in my head telling me that I am asking men to think impure thoughts about me. So it's like, <laughs> it's bad. I'll just put it out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still processing what you just said because that's crazy. I... I never had, I don't remember ever really having that conversation with my, my mom. My mom was pretty, like, she gave me the reins to kind of dress how I wanted. And like I said, whenever I dressed too tomboyish, she was like, she's like, you're cute, so dress cute. Like, she wanted me to have some style. She wanted me to dress cuter. I do think that she kept the whole fingertip length and stuff, because I didn't always wear that. Mm-hmm. But whenever it came to going to, um, you know, summer camps and stuff through my church, she was like, yeah, we need to get you stuff so that they can be okay with it. But even then, like, she... She never put the blame on me or on anybody else. She's just like, well, this is what they want for their camp, so we're going to have to get you some stuff for it. But mm-hmm. she never made me feel like I had to wear that all the time. Like, I had to be like that all the time. She would just say, like, be careful of, you know, what what you're what you're wearing. You know, make sure that, you know, it's not overly done. But I would wear, like, you know, like, v, like V-neck T-shirts, and she wouldn't say anything about that. Like, mm-hmm. I think she knew that I wasn't going to be what the world projected me mm-hmm. to be and what I but the world thinks I should be responsible for now my mom's always been very encouraging with it mm-hmm. um which I think I'm very I'm very lucky with because she has a very nice style my mom's a great dresser Sarah you've seen like she she dresses so cute and so you know I, I think that I got a lot of that from her and I like the idea that I can go shopping with my mom and stuff and I never had that so I feel very blessed that I had that relationship with her it's something that we kind of connect on yeah, yeah, it's fashion. So. I'm great. so happy to hear that. Like, yeah, I know, it's great. <laughs> like I love hearing every time you're like, "No, that was not my experience in the church," and I'm like, "Okay, yeah. I should not generalize my experience." No, I mean, but that, but your experience is your experience, yeah. and we grew up completely different. And even at my at my church, like my school was one thing because it was you know a Baptist school; they were a lot more strict. But at my church, like. Um, I remember, uh, you know, if we, we did like youth events or something, sometimes I would wear shorts and nobody would say anything. The school was a whole different thing because it was a private school. So like they tried to have some kind of structure, but at church and at home, like it wasn't really, I don't recall having a whole lot of, um, pressure to change my wardrobe. Um, yeah, I think that was my, my kind of experience with my parents as far as influence. Mm. Go for it. Uh, so I had a complete opposite experience with my family. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. No, like what Jess said, I'm really happy to hear that, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you just had a really fun 
uh, relationship with your mom in terms of fashion. I hated shopping. Well, and just as a sidebar, I think that was the thing is like fashion was like art and fun. Mm-hmm. And fashion is was viewed as like not something you should be questioning on yourself, but something fun you can play around with and mm-hmm. have ideas with. So sorry, continue. No, you're right. And uh, I hated it. <laughs> I hated every second of it. I hated my, mo- my mom would put me in itchy socks and tight dresses and she goes you should wear this I say I don't want to wear it and she goes but you look cute and I would say I don't want to be cute (laughs) (laughs) I hated it um ever since I was a young girl and my mom it would just it would be the thorn in my mother's side so I actually had a fun conversation with my mom in anticipation for this podcast because uh despite her best efforts um, I think she she probably disapproves of the way I dress now, ironically, because um, I definitely put more effort into the way I dress now. Um, but sometimes I will wear a midriff. I f- I finally got into the place where I feel comfortable wearing that. And you and look she rocks damn it. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she rocks and it. And I only own two. But I actually brought I brought this up conversation with my mom, um, asking her about it, and I said like, so what do you? Th-? She goes. <laughs> Just so you listeners know, I'm recently out of a divorce. This is important context for the conversation. Mm-hmm. I just got divorced. I am single. Holla at me. <laughs> <laughs> Holla. <laughs> so, so that plays a factor into it plays this a conversation. Factor in this conversation. Kind of figured. I um. So I said like, but mom, she goes like, I just feel like women. The way women dress is a reflection of what's going on inside. And yeah. I said, but mom, okay. I wear midriffs now. You think that's a reflection of me being broken? And she she gave me a smile. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. She's just like, you know, like that. Kind of like Ashley's mom, like, kind of the thing. I was like, but I don't, I don't even think it's that provocative. Like, I rarely... I, I haven't had anybody really even hit on me wearing those midriffs. And so I will say, because I remember whenever we went to go see the spasmatics and you wore one, mm-hmm. it did take me aback, but only because whenever you dress way differently now than whenever I met you. You do. Mm-hmm. You do. And that's the thing is like, I think it took me aback, but then for a quick second, I was like, oh wow, she's showing off her stomach. But then I was like, oh wow, she's showing off her stomach <laughs> and it looks good. I was proud because that's been a goal of you and like and mine, of yeah. ours is that. Whenever, because, you know, we're runners and stuff, and you've already done it whenever we've been running, and I'm still in my own insecurities to where I don't feel comfortable wearing just a sports ball when I run. But I have taken my shirt off when I'm running because it's just so, so stinking hot, yeah. hot that I'm like, I'm not doing this for attention. I'm doing this because I need to breathe. And whenever she came out to, to see the spasmatics with us, it was a hot night. And what she wore both looked good and was comfortable for and her. And was appropriate to the venue. It was appropriate it, I mean, to the venue. But even then, like, it did, that's, she was not, she was not dressed nearly as, I guess if you want to call it inappropriate, as some other mm-hmm. ladies that were there. But that's the thing is, like, it, it, your, your mom having that reaction versus my reaction, I'm just like, oh, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> think that was bad. I didn't think that that I was know. the point at all. And this is what, this is, this is kind of where I, I get, like, confused I guess I want to say because what is appropriate my mom totally thinks it's cool that I wear a two-piece swimsuit no complaints about it but the midriff uh, no complaints never I go running outside with with just a sports bra and in tights or shorts or whatever no complaints there because I'm working out who wants who thinks a sweaty nasty girl is hot I mean some people do. it doesn't matter but Ugh. but um but if I wear a midriff I'm broken mm-hmm. you know I'm broken and that really that really bothers me just because like I really don't even think that's honestly sometimes I think my romper my one piece romper is more inappropriate than my midriff outfit. Well, I think you just nailed it that it's in the eye of the beholder or the yeah, person that's it kind viewing. of is. And I think you know you can only do so much to change the mindset. Well, yeah. let's unpack this for a moment. Like, she's assuming that what you are wearing is an outward manifestation of brokenness inside. Which, what does that mean? Which, right, so what does this mean? And she is now, now you know, she is comparing the rest of your actions throughout your life to her own, like, her own kind of system of rules and understanding yeah. and expectations of what good people do and I guess I was expecting you know it's funny I was expecting to some degree when I first wore a midriff that um you know this is it 
Like, this is what everyone taught me against. Like, all the bad things are going to start happening if I go out wearing a midriff and nothing happened. And you're like, the fact that you wearing a midriff means you're immoral suddenly? Like, it's just just so confusing to me. And like, no, I didn't get treated any differently. I've probably gotten more comments um, wearing clothes or whenever I'm running or walking outside from like non-sexy clothes than I have like wearing a sports bra while running. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I've been wearing a sports bra, just a sports bra while running for well over like at least a year now, if not more. Yeah. So I guess I'm just really, really frustrated by the whole idea that um, a stomach showing is an indication of what's going on inside if that makes sense, mm-hmm. like some sort of validate, like it's, it's validating people's beliefs that I'm not okay or did that, something. Did that conversation go anywhere, uh, in your favor or did it just end right there? So funny story. Okay. Uh, my <laughs> sister, like we, my mom and I was having this conversation while my sister and her kids were around and my sister heard the conversation oh, yeah. and she actually ushered her daughter out of the Ooh, house. I remember you telling me that's what led to the conversation. That's what led your sister doing that. Cause I remember you telling me about mm-hmm. that was this conversation about midriffs because apparently her daughter, and I think this is a great segue cause I actually wanted to talk about, well, what about kids? Well, and that was going to be one of my questions. Okay. So let's just do it. Like, let's say we, we have kids in the future. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we don't, but in this imagined situation, mm-hmm. we have a kid with a little daughter. Let's say she's eight or nine years old. And she's been watching her favorite videos with her favorite preteen singers. Mm-hmm. And she decides that she wants to wear her Sunday shoes, a tutu, and a bikini top out okay. to the grocery store. What do you do? Why are you looking at me? <laughs> I, I've been going first, and I'm, I, want, I want to process first. Because it's, well, I, that's what we should do. First step well, as a parent, process. Uh, <laughs> well, I think, okay, I'll just go ahead and, because uh, it looks like you're processing too a little bit. <laughs> I mean, this is a hard question. It, it is, is a hard question. I struggle with. I don't want people sexualizing my four or five-year-old. That, well, and I think that she mentioned a little bit older, but older or younger yeah. didn't matter. But I think my mind goes back to what you said in keeping with the station. Yeah. So I'm like, if nobody else is wearing a bikini top to the grocery store, I'm like, well, then, yeah, you don't wear a bikini top to the grocery mm-hmm. store. But I wouldn't do it because, like, somebody's going to look at you and think wrong mm-hmm. things and or, like, think that I'm a bad parent. I more so gravitated toward the station comment from earlier. Is like, well, people just don't typically wear swimsuits or bikini tops into the grocery store anyway. So that's just not something that, you know, I would say you wear to the grocery store. But as far as in general, I feel like if I took her to a park... In the middle of the Texas summer, I would be fine with it because if it's comfortable for really? her. I feel like it wouldn't be, if, if, if she's not wearing it for attention, but she's wearing it because she thinks it looks cute on her and she's having fun with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Go for it. <laughs> Do it, sir. Because I've actually heard this being a really common thing, um, like elementary school, middle school. What if your kid decided that she just wanted to be a cat? Oh, yeah. I think we've had this conversation before a long time ago. Like, she... <laughs> we have yeah. left modesty, and no, we have no. now gone to a No, it, it's, it's very applicable. Because... Because, because it's... Granted, it's not... It, I think it's still... Um, it's just... It's outlandish. But, like, a uh, sexy cat, maybe. Mm-hmm. Where she she always wears, like, a ribbon with a bell around her neck. Oh, well, I see what um, you mean. With, like, cat ears, and, and she has, like, the fur paws on. And it's kind of, like, fetishized. It's kind of fetishized. Yeah. So, like, it's it's clearly, a, like, a, a fetishizable, I don't know what the word there is, outfit. Yeah. But she, she just identifies that way. Like, that's just what she, that is, that is what she wants to be. That's the person she wants to be. Thoughts. Mm. I think that's different <laughs> on, like, being versus, I just want to wear this. Yeah, but, like, so but think- even so, like, but what? I think this is, it's still really hard for me to untangle, um, like, the advice I would give other women about how they dress from thinking about how men are going to see them. And that, like, the fact that that is so hard for me to untangle makes this a really difficult question for me. Yeah. Because on one level, I think um, that it's all, that... 
and you know, I hate to even say this because I'm not even sure I agree with it as I say it, but like how we dress and how we comport ourselves is as a woman, a way of taking some control over how people see us. And I have to find a way, I think if that is how I'm going to approach it, like I need to find a way to talk to my daughter someday about how by thinking carefully about how people are going to perceive her that's that's a tool where she's exercising control over how people see her well and you just made an important point you having that conversation yeah not like what the articles you saw with dads having the conversation and that's where the importance is steps in yeah and the first thing i have to say is if any like throughout your life people are going to look at you this way no matter Mm -hmm. what you do Mm -hmm. and that's on them Mm -hmm. that is not on you yeah. But you need to know that. And, like, you need to be conscious of that as you decide to dress. But, again, as I say that, it's like, I don't know that I want... I like the <laughs> ideal world. My daughter would not have to be conscious about this. I mean, yeah. well, let's, say, let's say for a second, she's not. Yeah. So what? Like, why does she need... Why do girls need to be aware that men are thinking of them like this? Like, mm-hmm. why do... Why, what difference is it going to make... For us, is it our goal to make men not think of us sexually? Is that is that our end game? That's here? a whole other topic where I think dads need to take that handle. I mean, I with their boys, with their boys, but that's a whole other topic. To me. See, I just, I personally, like, I, I think, and maybe this was because I just was so out of touch with it for so long, mm-hmm. but I, I legitimately thought that I wasn't sexualized ever. I'm serious. Like I can say, for, I can see that because I, I think there were a lot of points where I felt that way. Yeah, and like I, and if they did, I didn't know about it. Yeah, and I don't really think it would have changed how I acted one way or another. I, I was just, I was really awkward socially. <laughs> I was a weirdo. Like, I, I'm serious. I used to pretend that to go underneath my desk, I was it was underwater, so I'd hold my breath. Going, I was that kid. That's adorable. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but, I think, but see, I also think that I'm, I was the same way because, like I said, I wore a lot of T-shirts and, cu- like, you know, like, roughed-up jeans and tennis shoes. And I didn't think that guys were seeing me sexually. I thought they were seeing me because I thought I had a fun personality because mm-hmm. I had no—I I wasn't shy around a lot of guys. I, I assumed I, they yeah. liked me because I laughed at everything. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So that—I mean— so I, that's I, what I, I get that part. So my, Yeah, so I guess this is kind of where I want to take that question— um, I don't necess- I don't think I feel the need to teach my daughter to uh, be aware of men sexualizing them yeah. because mm-hmm. men are going to sexualize or they're not. And I don't want to put that – I don't think that's fair to men to teach my daughters that watch out, men are probably sexualizing you because I don't think that's true. I don't think men are – that much more sexual than women, to be honest. But just to push, well, I agree with you, but to just to push back for a second, like, even if you're not bringing up that topic, I think there's a good chance that if you have an, op- like, if you have an open relationship with your daughter where mm-hmm. you're talking about these things regularly, that at some point your daughter is going to express to you that someone made some comment about sure, what sure. they wore that was inappropriate. And that conversation happens. Well, that's you know? what happened to me whenever my teacher told my mom that I should start wearing a bra, and I had no idea that I even had anything called boobs. I think if my daughter came up to me and said, like, Mom, some guy said I I was thick, what does that mean? <laughs> I would probably say, well, he's talking about your butt, and that was really a, that was a really gross thing for him to say. But that's a good point, is you're putting it back on him. Yeah. On the on the on the hypothetical situation of the male saying that to the female mm-hmm. and not making it her yeah. fault. That's true. There's a lot there. But I think uh, there is a, there there is communication that happens with the way that we dress and how we talk to other people. Um, dressing professionally in the workplace. Mm-hmm. I want to teach my yeah. daughter that. Uh, or when you go to a nice restaurant, you ask about the dress code because yeah. you want to be yeah. respectful to the other people there and to the establishment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Dressing within the station. I think yeah. those are important things. Yeah. Right. But to the I, root of the word modesty. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm definitely, I'm definitely not going to sit here and tell my daughter she's broken because she wants to wear a crop top. Yeah. And, and the big thing I take away from this conversation is that this is a conversation I need to have with my sons. I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts on it, and I don't know how much more time we have, but it's just, you know, it, it's... I, I think that we're seeing a lot more of a transition about men address other men 
and what and what they do and how women encourage them like encourage each other to also just wear what they want and be who they want Mm -hmm. but I do think that there's still a systemic negligence in that we still have this view of what what a woman wears is what she's really feeling or what like what a woman wore is what led to her being sexually assaulted because it's her fault so Mm -hmm. I do think that there's even further systemic problems that need to be broken down before anything can really change on that on that thought mm-hmm. and that idea. And I think that this is an issue that I really want to see leaders in the church address I to agree. point out to their congregants that like this is not the best way to protect your daughter. The best way to protect your daughter is not to tell them that they are responsible for how the people in their family, the people in their community, the people they walk into their to on the street think about them sexually. I don't even care what men are thinking. I just care about no. how they're acting. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, like, you're, I know what you're saying. Men need to be accountable to other men. Like, I don't even care if a man has impure thoughts about me as long as he doesn't act on it. Like, and, and how he acts on it is I'll respond to it according to how I'm raised, which I am thankful that, uh, you know, my parents, you know, taught me to just not be too polite. We need to focus, I think, less on policing what our kids, what our daughters wear and more about how they're going to respond to people um, making them feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to go along uh, probably a further way in protecting yeah. them than them changing the way they what they wear. Even in that, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine recently where uh, she, like her, her co-worker, has uh, given her really uncomfortable vibes, and she's an adult, mm-hmm. and he's an adult, and she's like, I just don't know how to approach this. I'm like, somebody needs to talk to him. Yeah. Somebody needs to say that, and even, like, not even at a young age, but even in an adult age, because it still happens, the conversation needs to be had. And like Sarah said, you know, don't play nice, mm-hmm. you know, you know, have the confidence to say things like that. And I do agree with you that even an adult or even as a parent, like, you know, because mm-hmm. that, that guy's apparently a parent. Yeah. So yeah, I'm your mom, terrified your to think of what Your mom's response should be, have been to go talk to that pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Not to tell you, Sarah, you can't wear that skirt anymore. Yeah, yeah. go talk to the pastor and be like, excuse me, pastor, what are you looking at? Yeah. Like, yeah. What are you doing? Like, what's what's going what's wrong? wrong? Yeah. She's done that for, for, for years. What, what's the problem? <laughs> and that's the thing is, like, you know, shouldn't be afraid to confront. And I think that in the church, you know, the church is like a family for a lot of people, so they don't mm-hmm. want to disrupt the family dynamic. Yeah, sure. Right. So I think that that might be kind of where your mom's... Her being the pastor was also she didn't want to set up a dynamic because I've seen some dissension in churches before to where if somebody speaks up, then it becomes like a battle of the cliques. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it can be a problem. So I can see where your mom probably didn't want to talk to him because then he could retaliate against mm-hmm. her. But at the same time, that shouldn't be a fear. You know, that shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be. I probably would not have been as um, annoyed in retrospect like, I probably would not have been as annoyed at my mom uh, about that whole scenario if my mom had come up to me and said, um, or maybe even caught me before I left the house, just, hey, Sarah, you've outgrown that skirt. Mm-hmm. And that's fair. If I've outgrown a skirt and I didn't realize it, that's fair. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the only reason that she felt like she had to call me out on it was because someone else was, the pastor was ogling my ass, mm-hmm. That's that was giving me pause because she didn't say it when I left the house she saw it whenever she saw someone else looking yeah. at me and then you like it, how would you have felt if she approached him and and told and and that you knew about that it's uh, a good question I mean I think maybe embarrassed because well, why would she need to tell Sarah about that though well no because I'm saying like if she told both parties not just mm-hmm. Sarah so she put like she said Sarah you've outgrown that skirt but also just because she's outgrown it doesn't mean you get to look at it mm-hmm. kind of thing like, if she kind of tried to take care of both instead of just putting the blame on you or not even approaching you at all and just him. I think, I think um, Jess's point, like, why would she even need to tell me that she appro- confronted the pastor on it? I think I probably would have been happy if she if she confronted the pastor and never told me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I think I would have felt bad. I would have felt guilty. Mm-hmm. But, okay. But, but then again, maybe, maybe that's part of, uh, maybe if I was brought up in a way that that was common like I shouldn't have felt guilty because I feel like and this was no fault of well, maybe a little bit but like I, I I think my mom was just trying to protect me in the best way that she knew how but I think a lot of that does come with guilt if I make a man feel uncomfortable by calling him out right on something and um, maybe maybe if I was raised in an environment where men regularly got called out for their actions mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have been as embarrassed I've been like wow that guy was just being creepy but that's not yeah. the case now. Like, if you ask, because you're asking me that context with my background right now, I probably would have 
felt embarrassed that she that that I felt guilty probably sure. or probably would have been angry at her too maybe for yeah for, emba- for embarrassing yeah. yeah for embarrassing me like that and that's not fair that's not right no. she's yeah. just for trying to protect me or call him out and I think it raises the larger issue of how like we need in all of our communities we need to keep the men accountable to their yeah. actions mm-hmm. towards women mm-hmm. and also raise women to know it's okay to hold men accountable for yeah. their actions and not be afraid because uh like I really, I, I get there. I get there's a lot of fear. Oh, there is. Like, there, and there's a lot of guilt and anxiety that surround it. But um, I don't think there has to be. I think we're not giving men enough credit to learn from, you know, learn from their mistakes or whatever. Like, just giving them the opportunity to be like, oh man, you're right. I, I, I shouldn't have done that or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I really think um, we're just taking that power away from both men and women to just be better people for one another. And I agree. I mean, I, I'm thinking of one scenario where one time, um, we were in Austin with some friends and, uh, my friend and I were going up uh, to the bar to grab a drink and this guy came up behind us and he put both his hands, one on my back, one on my friend's back. And we were just like, what in the world is happening? And I was trying to just like talk him and put him away. My husband comes right up, gets in between him and me and my friends. And he goes, hey, man, how's it going? Hey, this is my wife. And she has a boyfriend. <laughs> like my husband just straight up put the man down and because I think he saw what was happening. Mm-hmm. And at first I was a little bit em- embarrassed because I didn't want the guy to retaliate to Bry. But I later was like, you know, I'm really glad that he did that because what Brian was seeing away from us and then he came up and said something to the guy. I felt really proud of him for standing up to the guy and being like, "Hey, touching them without their knowing." Like, he didn't even say. He didn't even say anything. I didn't even say anything. He just put his hands on yeah. our backs. Yeah. And I was really proud of him for doing that. And I think that that kind of gave the guy that I hope it did gave that guy the idea that yeah, I guess I shouldn't shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Shouldn't have done that. Right. You know, like that's kind of an example that I was thinking of whenever you saying like keep keep accountable. You know, having have, like everybody trying to be better people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what about, uh, there was one time we were at the pool at Nicole Jamie's place, and there was a guy there, yes. and we gave, he had, like, a water bottle, and he wanted to put, like, a lime wedge into the water bottle, and he, like, shoved it in there, and uh, you said, and Ashley goes, wow, I can't believe you got that whole lime wedge in there, and he goes, I'm used to shoving big things into small places, oh, and Nicole Jamie, she, she she's like, she like, that's gross. Yeah. Just straight gross. up eye contact. That's gross. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was honestly like, and he did and not I, say a word to her to I Nicole mean, after. I that. laughed and I, I laughed uncomfortably. I don't think I heard it. I heard it and I, I laughed uncomfortably, I but, I, but Nicole Jamie just, she was not amused. That's gross. And I actually thought in that moment, like, I admire her because it was a gross yeah. comment. It was gross. I, I didn't, I don't think I even heard him say that. I heard him say that. I don't that. think I heard him because I was in the middle of like trying to settle yeah. myself into my chair and stuff. But the, these are just examples of, of, not being, not cowering down and being like, oh, I don't want to cause problems mm-hmm. or say anything wrong, so I'm just gonna no say something. Yeah. If it's gross, if it's gross to to touch me and my friend's back at the bar, and it's cro- it's gross to make those comments. Then you know, I think I think working as a as a society and to yeah. be bettering ourselves, like mm-hmm. Sarah said, to say things whenever you know yeah. something's speak not up okay. for yourself and then back up the person that speaks up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, exactly. I think that that is good. Yeah good rules to follow and good advice to give my daughter someday speak up for yourself <laughs> yeah and ask the people around you to support you when you yeah, speak up yeah if, if, if guys happen to be looking at you because of what you're wearing it's like hey stop it stop looking at me yeah you know saying something <laughs> stop it like I, I like I just I told Jess when we were on our, on our break I was like I the guy that slowed down and I almost like said something but I but I was like I'm already running I'm it's yeah. not be pointless but if I did I would have said something to call him out I yeah. really really wanted to and like you know give give the finger or something like that to be like stop being gross or something like that <laughs> just something to make it known mm-hmm. that if you don't think I'm going to retaliate, well, you're wrong because I'm going to say something because you're being gross or you're being inappropriate mm-hmm. because it's not on me. I'm just simply running here. Mm-hmm. You slowing down, that's gross and creepy. Yeah. 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 Can I give like a positive story here for a Absolutely. second? Absolutely. I was riding the escalator up from the subway when I was in Berkeley, California several years ago with my mother and this guy standing behind me squeezed my butt. <gasps> what? Just squeezed my butt. I turned around and I looked at him and I said, what makes you think really loud so that the other people packed mm-hmm. around us could hear us? What makes you think that it is okay to squeeze my butt when you don't know me? And the rest mm-hmm. of the people turned around and looked at him and were like, 
Yeah. Dude. Put him on the not spot. Not cool. Put him on the spot. Yeah. That is a great story. That's great. And that's a, that's that. exactly what, you know, I think I think men should be doing to other men, women should do to men if they make them feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Anything like that is like like Sarah said there are good men and good people in this world. That's the kind of example where one when you said it, other people followed yeah. and turned on him too. And I hope, I hope that that guy thought twice about the next time he I had. hope he was mortified. I hope he was embarrassed. I hope he felt ashamed. I hope he felt all kinds of guilt and knows to never ever do that again. I yeah. hope he's never done that again to anybody else. Me too. But that's the thing is like, you know, the fact that you not only stood up for yourself, but that you weren't alone. Mm-hmm. Like you just said, like everybody kind of coming around and getting each other's back so yeah I agree I think that's key but that's the thing is like I'm sure what you were wearing was no part it had nothing to no. do with what he he, he would have done it anyway even if you were you were probably what like wearing jeans wearing so- I think it was like jeans and a sweatshirt yeah like it didn't yeah, even, yeah. had nothing to do with what you were wearing yeah. or even what you were doing like I doubt that you were being provocative or whatever it's just you're on an escalator who's who's provocative on an escalator <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm provocative at all times with that crop yes <laughs> <laughs> I just mean, like, obviously, look at me right now. You're just, we're all provocative all the time. Thank you. We can't just, help it. We we're were born too that way. Damn hot. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think this is a good place to end it. Yeah, it's so. been good. Yeah. This has been a fun conversation. I know we were all looking forward to it. It's been been really good. I'm so glad that we got together and I'm so glad that you, Ashley, like kind of fought past your little like snuggles this morning and decided to come anyway. Yeah, me too. I'm really, really happy about that. This was a fantastic conversation. Guys, a pitch for Benadryl. It it works. (laughs) A pitch for it. Future sponsor Benadryl. Um, Benadryl, are you listening? I was trying to I was trying to do the background music while you were pitching Benadryl. Oh, Benadryl. (laughs) For when you run out of allergy pills and you just need something to work super damn quick. All right, well, this has been a great conversation. I want to thank all of our fabulous listeners for listening. listening. Um, Don't forget to rate us. That's very important. Um, And we also want to hear from you. If you have comments or questions, things you want to share from your past, things we didn't get to talk about, but you were hoping we maybe address in the future, we have a Gmail address because we're high class like that. Um, Send us an email at three shelter girls at gmail.com that's all spelled out three sheltered girls at gmail.com and goodbye bye 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 everyone